please. And I want to just give you a few simple thoughts this evening, if I could, out of the book of Galatians once again. Galatians chapter 4, it seems like we can't quite get away from the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number 4, and when you find your place, if you're able to stand tonight, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Galatians chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse number 6, and we're going to read down through right around verse number 12 tonight. Galatians chapter number 4 and verse number, uh, verse number 6. The Bible says this, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. Ye observe days and months and times and years. And of course, Paul is referring to those religious observances there. Verse number 11, he said, I'm afraid of you lest I have bestowed upon your labor in vain. In, in other words, boy, I hope I didn't waste my time on you, is what he's saying there. Uh, we poured into you, and he said, I, I, hope we didn't, <clears throat> I hope we didn't pour into you in vain. And look at verse number 12. Now, Paul says, brethren, <clears throat> I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me, at all, And so you may be seated tonight, and of course, as you can see on the screen, I want to talk to you about that little phrase. I want, to, I want to lift that little phrase out of that verse tonight, if I could, and I want to talk to you about that subject, be as I am, be as I am, and what, what the, the Apostle Paul was talking about there just for a few moments tonight, and I'm marking the clock, and we're not going to keep you late at all this evening, uh, I think we'll, we'll make our way through this fairly quickly this evening. So let's go to the Lord and ask the Lord to help us tonight. And I, I hope this will be a help to you this evening. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be uh, here for the Wednesday night service. And Father, we just appreciate your blessings. You are so good to us. And Lord, I, I'm thankful for the testimonies tonight. And Lord, for the great music and the congregational singing this evening. And Lord, we've been reminded that you're able. We've been reminded that uh, that, Lord, you're a God that's able to hear and answer our prayers, and we just thank you and praise you for that. Lord, tonight I pray that you'd forgive us of anything in our life that, Lord, could even begin to be a hindrance to the service. And, and then, Lord, I pray that you'd touch us spiritually. Lord, fill us with the Spirit of God tonight, not just the preacher, although I pray for that, Lord. I really do pray for that. But, God, I pray that you'd fill the people as well because, Lord, it's not enough just for the pastor to be filled with the Spirit of God. But Lord, the people need your help tonight. And they need your fullness and your filling. And so Lord, I pray that you touch us spiritually. And then Lord, I pray that you touch us physically tonight. And Lord, we really need a touch tonight physically. And I pray that you would, Lord, just make it where Satan's not able to hinder in any way, shape, or fashion. And I pray that we, we would be able to receive something this evening that would be an encouragement and a help, something that would honor you and glorify you, Lord. And, and then, Lord, if there may be one here this evening that's never been saved, I pray tonight would be the night that they would be born again. 
Lord, you are omniscient. You know all. Satan does not. Satan's not omniscient. But Satan is knowing. And Satan knows what I'm, what I'm about to try to preach tonight. And so, of course, he doesn't want this message to be, uh, to be put out there this evening. And so, Lord, I pray, though, that you would bind the powers of darkness. We plead the blood of Jesus over this service. And I pray that, Lord, your will would go forward like a mighty steam engine. And so, Lord, help us tonight, please. We love you. You're wonderful. We praise you. You're amazing. And we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen, amen. And verse number 12 is our text tonight. Now, Paul says, brethren, brethren. Well, I, I'm guessing right off the bat, Paul is speaking to Christian people. He's talking to those that have been transformed, those that have been born again, those that are a part of the church. Paul says, brethren, he said, I beseech you. Whenever you see that word beseech, uh, it's the idea of uh, almost of a, a begging state. Paul says, I'm begging you, uh, brethren, I beseech you, be as I am. Be as I am. What a statement. Paul is encouraging these people to be like him. Now, I know that right off the bat, there are some that read that and they think, wow, what an arrogant, self-centered statement for Paul to make. Well, he must, I mean, he really must think that he is something to encourage these people in the church, of, uh, church or the churches of Galatia to be as he is. Boy, wow. Paul, there he goes, promoting this thing of man worship. Now I want to say quickly tonight, Calvary Baptist Church, that really nothing could be further from the truth. And that's not what Paul is saying at all. But I, if I could insert this tonight, because I think this will be beneficial and I think this will be helpful to our young people. It seems like anymore that you can't even make mention of someone being a good follower without being accused of man worship. And so if you come in and preach fellowship and loyalty, which by the way is a lost attribute in our day and time, uh, if you come in and, and you teach that or preach that, people say, well, there, there pastor goes. He's trying to promote man worship. I want you to under, understand something tonight that if there is any man in this building that that understands that there's one man that is least worthy of worship, he's talking to you tonight. And so I, I, I please understand that the man that's preaching to you tonight is not worthy of man worship. And by the way, Paul knew that he was not worthy of man worship. In fact, it was Paul that said, I'm the chiefest of all sinners. I, I feel like I'm the greatest of all sinners but I do want us to keep in mind that Paul penned these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When Paul said to these people, be as I am. In fact, in fact, church, on three different occasions, Paul challenges those that he is teaching to follow him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 16, 
when uh, talking to the Corinthian church, Paul says, wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number one, once again, Paul says to the Corinthian church, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And then in Philippians chapter three, as Paul challenges the church of Philippi, Paul says, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us uh, for an ensample. Now again, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna say this and I don't care who had hair lips tonight. I'm just gonna say it because I believe it tonight. But listen to me tonight, church. Did you know there is nothing wrong with finding those who are godly and capable leaders and following their example. There's nothing wrong with that. That is a biblical principle. I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And, uh, and so uh, in this new generation, this new culture that we're living in, you're not supposed to say that anymore. You're not supposed to say follow the leader. Nobody wants to follow. Uh, by the way, we can't find folks to follow in the church. We can't find folks to follow in McDonald's. We can't find folks to follow in the plant. And you... Church you, church, you know what I'm talking about, especially you folks that are business owners and you that are supervisors and, uh, and, uh, and those that are leaders. We are having a tough time in this culture trying to find people that will just come in underneath a leader and say, uh, I'm going to buy into your vision and I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow you. I believe that God has given you a vision and I'm going to follow your vision for the glory of God. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, that is a good thing. That's not a negative. That's a good thing. When my wife and I first went to Bible college, first enrolled in Bible college, I'm going to be honest with you. You talk about green. Green's not even the, 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 the word. I knew so little about the ministry, you would not believe. I mean, wet behind the ears, didn't have a clue, still don't have a clue. Uh, the more you learn, the more you learn, you don't know. But, but when we enrolled into Bible college, honestly, church, we were, we, uh, listen, I was dumb as a rock. I mean, I was, I was dumb as a rock. I, I didn't pay attention in high school like I should have. Uh, I just sort of breezed my way through English and man, I had no idea that God one day was going to call me to preach. And, uh, and, uh, and I remember when we first started in Bible college and listen, I was in my very first class in Bible college leadership class and the instructor uh, stood up in front of the class and he started, he said, these are the requirements. And he began to give us a list. These are the requirements for the class. And then on top of that, you'll have to do 500 pages of outside reading. I didn't even know what outside reading was. I thought outside reading was something that you could do. I thought it was voluntary. I thought you could just do it if you had time to do it. And then I realized that in Bible college, you didn't have the time to do anything. You didn't have time to sleep. You didn't hardly have time to eat. I mean, worked all the time, went to school all the time, involved in ministry all the time. And it was busy, busy, busy. And again, I'm just saying this, that man, I just, I didn't have a clue. I really didn't know how to lead a soul to Christ. I, I'm thankful that I had uh, some men who showed me how to do that. I knew practically nothing about preaching. And I know what you're thinking. You still don't pastor. I know that. But I knew absolutely pretty much nothing about preaching. I knew very little about dealing with people. And so I just want you to understand that, that, that when I went to Bible college, uh, I, I was not a, a man of wisdom. I was not wise before my years. 
I, I, I was just, I was lacking in a lot of areas, but I'll tell you what I did do. I decided to find some godly men who were anointed of God and I placed myself under their counsel and I did what they did and I did what they said. And by the way, I, I do not regret it in the least. I, and you say, pastor, don't worship men. I'm not talking about worship men. Folks, y'all know that. Don't ever put your trust or your faith in a man. A man can, a man can disappoint you. A man can fall. A man can stumble. We, we understand that. We understand we're all made of flesh. We, we get that tonight. But, but, but I would say this, you young people that are here tonight, oh, listen to me tonight. You young men that are here tonight, can I give you some great advice? One of the greatest pieces of advice I could give you is that you find yourself a godly man that's dedicated to the cause of Christ. By the way, he doesn't have to be a pastor. He doesn't have to be a missionary. But you find you a godly man who loves this book and loves God and loves church and has a good marriage and a good family and you watch him and do what he does and, and go to him and say, listen, would you teach me? Would you pour into me? Would you tell me what to do? Would you give me some instruction? And by the way, when he gives you instruction, don't buck up about it uh, because everybody feels like they've got to be the leader today. Listen, we need some folks that will just come and say, hey, I want to be a good follower. If God decides to promote me to a leadership position, that's good. But until he does, I'm going to be the best follower that God's ever had. Amen. And by the way, that's what Paul's encouraging us to do. Now, Paul comes to this church of Galatia and he says, be as I am. Be as I am. Now, so here's the question. How was he? Now, Paul said, I want you to do what I'm doing. I want you to be as I am. So what were some things that defined the life of the Apostle Paul? Well, let me give you three tonight, quickly, if I could. How about this? Number one, we notice, first of all, that Paul was free. Paul was free. Look, if you will, please, at Galatians chapter four and verse number eight tonight. Galatians chapter four and verse number eight. This is gonna help somebody. Hang in there with me tonight. Galatians chapter four, verse number eight. Paul is speaking to this church and, and boy, they've got some problems. And, and he says, how be it then when ye knew not God? He said, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. In other words, remember that day when you used to worship those gods that really weren't gods at all? Is what he's saying there. Remember before you got saved? Remember uh, how you were involved in idolatry and works and all these things? And he said, do you remember that church? Verse number nine. But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. Now, Paul says, man, you're putting yourself in bondage. Now look at Galatians chapter five tonight, Galatians chapter five, and look at verse number one. And Paul says there, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us, what's the word? Free. Free. 
Stand forth, stand fast in the liberty uh, wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not again, or be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now I know contextually here tonight that Paul is speaking of being free from the Mosaic law. And he's talking about being under the grace of of Christ and being saved uh, by grace through faith. I get that. I, I understand what Paul is talking about. But please understand something. That coupled with that, Paul is also speaking of being made free from the power of sin through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Uh, you're in Galatians chapter 5. Look, if you will, at Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16. Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you wouldn't. Look at verse 18. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. And so Paul says, I am free under grace. I'm free from the Mosaic law. I don't have to keep the law. I know that I'm under grace. But Paul is also saying this, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I am also free from the bondage of sin. That past life doesn't control me anymore. Now Paul is saying this. Don't, don't, don't miss this. Paul is saying this, that through the Spirit, I'm free from that past life. My past no longer controls me. My past no longer defines who I am. And by the way, you say, Pastor, did Paul have a past? Yes, he did. Now, Paul had quite the past. In fact, don't you know this, church? Don't you know that there were some who were very faithful at bringing his past up? Uh, you know what? There are always some people uh, around that never want you to forget what you used to be. And they don't mind reminding you. And remember when you used to hang out. Remember when you used to drink. Remember when you used to be on drugs. Remember when you used to be shacked up. Remember when you, and they don't mind reminding you of these things. And scripture tells us that Paul was a blasphemer. Paul was a persecutor. Paul was injurious. Paul was responsible for breaking up churches. He was responsible for the imprisonment of believers. And even Paul was responsible for inciting executions. How many remember the story where the Bible says, says Paul, held the clothes of those who stoned the deacon Stephen. But listen to this. This is my point. Paul came to this place in his life and Paul said this, I've left that old path, that old life, I've left it in the past. Uh, Paul was saying this, that chain that used to be on me is now broken. Uh, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. That kind of lifestyle that I used to be in bondage to. Paul said, I'm not in bondage to that lifestyle anymore. It's in the past. It's in the past. And Paul says this, I'm moving forward. And he said this, I believe that God is going to use me. And then Paul comes to the church and he says, hey, you be as I am. I'm free. And he said, I want you to be free as well. Uh, the Bible says in Philippians chapter three, verse thir uh, 13, Paul said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now hang, hang with me here tonight. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this, that if you're here tonight and you have been born again by the Spirit of God, forget your past. Forget your past. Let me tell you what will happen. Satan will come. And by the way, Satan loves to remind you 
of your past. That's why, young people, that's why we preach so hard. Uh, we preach in love, but that's why we preach so hard. You, you say, Pastor, can I get forgiven? You can ver get forgiven. Uh, but I'm going to tell you what, the, the, the devil will come and he'll try to remind you of what you used to be and where you used to be and what you used to be doing. But I've got some great news tonight under the power of the Holy Spirit and thank God for the power of salvation. Listen, that chain has been broken. It's in the past. Don't look back. You need to turn around and put your eyes on Jesus and you need to say this, I, by the grace of God, I can't do anything about my past but I can do everything about my future. I, listen, can't go back. John Christian said that life is the art of drawing without an eraser. That's true. Once it's done, it's done. You can't go back and erase it. You can't go back and blot it out. You can't go back and, and do anything about your past, but hallelujah, hallelujah to the Lord. If you're here tonight and you're listening to my voice tonight or you're watching my way of live stream, I'm telling you that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do everything about your past. Your, your, your future, your future doesn't have to be like your past. And so turn from the past and aim toward the future and say, I, by the grace of God, am gonna do something for the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. Now, here's what happens. The devil comes and the devil will say this, because of your past, you can never be used of the Lord again. He loves to use that lie. He uses it all the time. Let me tell you what happens. After 30 years of, of pastoring, let me tell you what happens. People, for something happens, people get away from the house of the Lord. They end up getting into deep sin. And then you say, Pastor, would those people be welcome to come back to Calvary? Absolutely. Our church would welcome them back in with open arms. But that's not the problem. The problem is, is that Satan has come to them. And Satan says, you can never go back. You can never show your face there. You, 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 listen, those people won't accept you because of what you've done. Well, number one, most of them probably don't know what you've done. Number two, regardless of what you've done, you need to get back to home plate again. And get back in here, amen, amen. Get back in here, let God use you, let God forgive you, let God restore you, let God do something great in your life. Now, here's the problem in a lot of churches. In a lot of churches, you know what they believe? Uh, number one, they believe this. They believe that, that God has a hard time forgiving the fallen sinner. But then, then it's even harder for, the, from, for some churches to believe that God would use a fallen sinner again but he will now I'm getting ready to give you folks I'm getting ready to give you mature 101 tonight so we better put our you know put our our big britches on this evening now I want you to take your Bibles tonight I want you to turn over the book of Corinthians look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 tonight 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and I want you to look with me at verse number one. Now, my point that I'm trying to make tonight is this, that regardless of what your past is like, I'm glad that I can come tonight and report to you that there is a God who will forgive you. And there is a God who will restore you. And there's a God who wants you to know that the chain has been broken and that you are free. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, we read a very interesting story. 
Paul is writing to the church of Corinth and he says this in verse number one. He said, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And that fornication, of course, that's sexual sin, immoral, very immoral sexual sin. And he's getting ready to tell us how immoral it is. It's reported commonly that there's fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Now what's going on? Well, basically what's happened is a son in the church, in the church, a son is having an affair with his stepmother. Basically what's going on there. You say, wow, preacher, that's, well, that's, that's pretty, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's, it's going on right now in our culture. And Paul says in verse two, and you're puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from you. And so Paul writes to the church of Corinth and he says, listen, this wickedness that's going on in the church, he said, you've got to deal with this thing. He said, you, you can't just sweep this under the rug and, uh, and expect the Lord to bless you. You're going to have to deal with this issue in the church. And, and so evidently, evidently, they, they deal with this incestuous relationship, this, uh, this uh, adultery that's going on in the church. Evidently, they deal with it in some shape or fashion. And Paul writes a very pointed letter and he says, hey, you better deal with this individual. This is going to kill the church. You need to deal with this sinner, this sin. And so we all get that. But I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse number 6. And someone said that the Apostle Paul never gave up on the Corinthian church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 6, the Bible says... Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many, verse 7, so that contrary rise, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such an one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. You say, Pastor, him, him who? The same hymn we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And so Paul writes to the church about this man that's involved in wickedness, wicked sin. And Paul says, hey, church, you need to deal with that. You need to deal with that sinner. And evidently they did, they did to some extent. But then later on in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes back and he says, hey, it's been dealt with. But now you need to go get around. He's repented evidently. He's repented of his sin. Uh, wicked, yes, it was wicked. Uh, dark, yes, it was dark. But Paul says, you need to come around him. You need to pray for him. You need to forgive him. You need to restore him. Now, I know that no doubt there were some in the church who were saying, preacher, we don't want that guy back. He's a sinner. He messed up. I mean, he, uh, he, he lived a wicked, immoral life. And yet we find here that Paul says, church, forgive him, restore him, pray for him, love him, uh, encourage him in the Lord. Lord. Now, listen to me, church. This is all I'm saying tonight. Did you know that when sinners come to this church, 
Uh, regardless of what their past is, regardless of where they've been. Did you know there ought to be a church somewhere that comes around them? If they've got a spirit of repentance, there ought to be a church that comes around them and says, listen, we don't care about what you've done. We don't care about your past. We can't do anything about your past. By the way, you can't do anything about your past, but we are very concerned about your future. And by the way, aren't you glad that God never throws the clay away? And neither should the church. And so when, when, when people fall, our message, our message to this world has to be this. We're free. We're free. You don't have to live in bondage the rest of your life. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, through the, the power of salvation, thank God that chain has been broken. And you're free. So Paul was free. Number two, Paul was fruitful. Look, if you will, at Galatians chapter 5. Go back to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22. Paul said, be as I am. Number one, Paul was free. Well, don't miss that. Don't, don't miss that one. Paul said, I'm not going to think about my past. I'm not going to worry about what I've done in the past. I want to go forward and do something for God. Paul was free. But number two, Paul was fruitful. Galatians 5, verse 22 says it like this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And we know that Paul was fruitful. And Paul's talking about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And I would just ask, this is so simple tonight, but I would just ask you this. Are these fruits that we just read, are these fruits being produced in your life? I'm talking about love. Is that being produced in your life? Joy. Man, do you have that, do you have that inner joy? <laughs> I know sometimes people come to Calvary and they're like, man, what in the world? What are these folks? I mean, we just came through a, 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 a worldwide pandemic, a national election, and all, you know, gas prices are going up and and I walk into Calvary, and man, everybody's smiling, and everybody's excited, and, and what's going on? It's fruit of the Spirit. Amen. So I have to ask you, are these fruits being, being born in your life? I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about long-suffering. I'm talking about uh, gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Did you know in Luke chapter 13 that Jesus taught us this, that if a tree is not bearing fruit, that it ought to be cut down. That's what the Lord said. And, and, and the husbandman said, well, Lord, let me, let me dung it, let me fertilize it, and let me cultivate it and water it, and give me just a little bit more time, and we'll see if it bears some fruit. And if it doesn't bear some fruit, the Lord said, you cut it down. If you're here tonight and you're not bearing fruit, listen, I don't want you cut down tonight. You know what I thought about? I don't know if this has anything to do with this, but... But I thought about, over in Revelation 20, uh, chapter 22, I thought about that tree of life that's going to be in heaven. Boy, in heaven going to be something. And the Bible says there's going to be a tree of life in heaven. And the Bible says that tree of life is going to bear 12 manner of fruits. And then the Bible says this, it's going to bear every single month. Boy, just constantly, continuously. It's bearing fruit, bearing fruit. Now, wait a minute now. You know this tonight. I believe that's a picture. That ought to be a picture of the child of God. 
I believe that you and I ought to be continuously bearing fruit. We can't take a vacation from it. We can't take a time out from it. We ought to be continuously bearing these fruits that we see. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, all these things, temperance. We ought to be bearing these things in our lives. So I want to ask you a question. Are you fruitful tonight? And Paul says, be as I am. And Paul said, I'm free. That chain's been broke. And Paul said, I'm fruitful. Are you, are you fruitful tonight? But I want, you to, I want you to see this last one. Number two, we notice this. We notice that Paul did not faint. Would you look please at Galatians chapter six and look at verse number nine. We're done. Galatians chapter six, verse number nine. The Bible says, and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's talking about quitting. It's talking about leaving the fight. We know that Paul was faithful to the end, even with very difficult circumstances. Well, life was not a bed of roses for the Apostle Paul. Would you look? Galatians chapter 4, verse number 13. And Paul was talking to the church here, verse 13. He said, You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. Verse 14, and my temptation which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but ye received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Look at verse 15. Paul says to this church something very odd. He says in verse 15, where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear your record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and, and, and given them to me. Look at, verse, uh, look at chapter 6, verse 11. Again, all these things, I think, uh, correspond. Galatians 6, verse 11, Paul says, Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand. Do you know, normally when, 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 Pete, when, when Paul uh, wrote a letter, he usually dictated it. And someone else would write it for him. And Paul says right here, I wrote this letter myself. And he says, you notice it's a very large letter. Now, it's not a large book. It's a very small book, in fact. But we believe that Paul was saying this, that the letters, the actual letters that Paul used were very large. Verse 17, Galatians 6, verse 17, he said, from henceforth let no man trouble you, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Now, we don't know what Paul's infirmities were. We do know this, according to 2 Corinthians, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. A lot of scholars believe this. They believe that when Paul was stoned in Acts chapter 14 and left for dead, they believe that Paul was so severely injured that it probably almost took his eyesight completely away. That's why Paul said, I wrote with large letters. Paul probably had to hold it up right to his face. He couldn't see. Now, some other scholars say that he had a disease of the eyes that caused his eyes to run constantly and uh, would have been something that was very unattractive while he was preaching. Others say that maybe he contracted malaria or some type of a, a, a disease. But this is my point. Paul had a lot of obstacles, but he never quit. He never quit. Now, I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know what your testimony is. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know the storm that, 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 that you're struggling with right now, but I would say this, be as he is. And regardless of what it is that you're going through, don't stop. Don't you back up ever forward, never backward. Don't you stop. Well, you say, Pastor, 
Everybody around me wants me to quit. My family wants me to quit. Uh, listen, don't you quit. Don't you quit. Quitters never win and winners never quit. And uh, you keep on going, keep on going forward. You say, well, uh, preacher, I don't feel like I can take three steps forward. Okay, then take one step forward. And by the way, the Christian life sometimes is taking three steps forward and a step backward, but you just keep on going forward for the cause of Christ. And whatever you do, don't give up. We know that Paul, even though Paul had a lot of obstacles, Paul never quit. We know it because we read the last letter. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 6, Paul said, For I'm now ready to be offered. And Paul said, In the time of my departure is at hand. Paul, Paul knew he was getting ready to leave this world. In verse 7, he said, I have fought a good fight. And then he said this, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only, but unto all of them also that love his appearing. Hey, listen, be like Paul was. You say, preacher, I don't know the scriptures like Paul. Okay, but you can keep going forward like Paul did. You say, Pastor, I'm not a Bible scholar like the Apostle Paul. Okay, but I tell you what you can do. You can say the chains have been broken and I can't do anything about back there, but I can do everything about up here. And so, by the way, regardless of what the naysayers say and people say, you'll never, you'll never make it. You'll never make it in the Christian life. You'll never, you'll be back. You'll be back. Let me tell you something. Prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. And be as Paul is. Make sure that you don't just start well, but make sure that you finish well. Interesting story. History tells us that the Greeks had a race in their Olympic Games that was very unique. The winner was not the runner who finished first. It was the runner who finished with his torch Still lit. And I thought, man, wow. That's what I want to do. I want to finish with my torch still lit. I want, amen. Man, I want to finish the race with my fire still burning for the cause of Christ. And I don't know what God's got in, uh, in store for me. I, I don't know. I may have to be up here one of these days preaching with a cane. I'm not sure, but I, I know one thing. By the grace of God, I hope that I finish with my torch still burning for the cause of Christ. Paul never fainted. It was 1968. It was the Olympic Games. They were being held in Mexico City. It was a 26-mile marathon. And the runners had come from all over the world and, and they were running in this marathon and there was one specific runner. He was from the country of Tanzania. His name was John Stephen Akwari. And he was in wonderful shape. He had practiced and practiced and prepared and planned. But while he was running this race, the story goes that Akwari took a bad fall and when he fell, he dislocated his shoulder and literally knocked a hole in his knee. They came to him and they put a, a, a I started to put the picture up on the screen. You can watch it. He, they put a rough bandage around his knee, his shoulders dislocated. 
And Uncle Warren got up and they said, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm in the race. They said, sir, you dislocated your shoulder. He said, yeah, I, I, I understand. What are you doing? I'm gonna finish the race. And this man gets up and he begins to hobble. He's still got a long ways to go. In fact, it was two hours from the time the winner came across the finish line that Akwari finally hobbled into the arena. Most everybody had left, but they, they got word that Akwari had taken a fall and he's coming and so they cut the lights on. And here came this man from Tanzania. He literally hobbles into the arena. He finishes that last mile of the race and when he gets to the finish line, he just collapses. And a reporter came to him. And he said, he said, man, what, what's the deal? He said, there were 18 other racers that quit. Why did you not quit the race? Love it. And Uncle Warren said this, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race they sent me 5,000 miles to finish it. And hey, Calvary, God never sent you to start and not finish. God expects for you to start well, and by the grace of God, God expects you to finish well. I know there are some who say, preacher, you know, this church is really going great. God's really blessing. The Spirit of God's here. Folks are being saved. It's, it's awesome. Uh, preacher, you know it can't stay like this, don't you? And by the way, if you have that mentality, don't get around me. Because I believe this. I believe that God can keep his hand on this church until we hear the trumpet sound. Not all do, but listen, there are some churches, and I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm finding them. There are some churches that have been in the fight for 50 and 60 years and still going strong, still going strong, and that's what I want the testimony of Calvary Baptist Church to be. God didn't call us to start well and then fall out of the race. God called us to finish well. Paul said, be as I am. Well, I don't know about y'all. I want to be as he, he was. I want to be like the Apostle Paul. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. And Lord, I pray that you'll take this attempt at preaching tonight. And I pray somehow, Father, that you'll bring the increase. It's dependent on you anyway. And so, Lord, I pray that someone's heart got spoken to tonight. Father, I really feel like in my heart tonight, I feel like there's somebody here this evening. And Lord, the devil's been coming and the devil's been feeding them that bill of lies that says, you'll never do anything. Don't you know where you came from? Don't you remember what you used to be? You can never do anything great. God, tonight, would you would you send a message to that person's heart tonight and let them know that the chains have been broken? And Lord, would you help them tonight to forget the past and to start focusing on the future and what they are going to do for the kingdom of God? 
Father, I, I pray that you'll help us to be fruit-bearing Christians. Lord, if there are those here tonight and we're not bearing the fruits of the Spirit, Lord, I pray tonight we would be as Paul is. And then, Lord, oh, Lord, would you help us tonight? Father, help us not just to start well, but God, help us to make it all the way to the finish line. God, I pray that we'll hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll bless this uh, time of invitation tonight. It could be there's someone here this evening that needs to be born again. If that's the case, I pray they'll come. If they're watching by way of live stream tonight and they need to be saved, I pray that they will. Have thy way in the invitation, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name.